1: To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Whithelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Withhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about therapists, about things that therapists should know, and one of the topics that... I think often gets overlooked in any discussion about cross cultural representation, diversity, awareness, and is something that, admittedly, we here at Modern Therapist Survival Guide have done probably the bare minimum about in our four years of podcasting here. We've had one episode about working with Asian American clients. And today we're joined by Linda Yoon, licensed clinical social worker and founder and all sorts of cool things over at the Yellow Chair Collective. Talking to us today about things going on with the Asian American community and things that therapists should know when working with Asian American and clients, especially with huge spikes in anti-Asian hate crimes and anti-Asian microaggressions and everything in between, especially here over the last couple of years with the coronavirus pandemic going on. So thank you very much for spending some time with us today and helping us and our audience better serve the world.
2: Hey, thank you. Thank you, Kurt and Katie, for inviting me to speak on this topic.
0: We are so excited to have you here. You and I have had a conversation and I just really respect and and I'm very excited about the work that you're doing. The first question that we ask all of our guests is, who are you and what are you putting out into the world?
2: As Kurt introduced, uh, my name is Linda Yoon. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in California. I have over 10 years of experience in mental health, social services, advocacy, mainly working with a lot of immigrants and refugee population who were often Asian Americans. Uh, I'm also the founder and co- a co-director of Yellow Chair Collective. Yellow Chair Collective is a multicultural psychotherapy group. We have a special focus on Asian mental health at this time. To answer your second question, I'm actually not sure what I'm putting out into the world currently. <laughs> I will have to see, you know, maybe in 20 years and reflect on what I have done. <laughs> but, However, today for this podcast, my intention is to put out inclusion and awareness of Asian American issues and mental health. Uh, and that is a goal for me today.
1: One of the questions uh, we like to ask towards the beginning of our episodes here is there's a lot of mistakes that people can make in any variety of ways and if we can help our audience not make those same kinds of mistakes that's one of the great services that we can offer Mm -hmm. from your perspective what are therapists getting wrong in working with asian clients or interacting with asian colleagues
2: yeah first i do want to share a little bit of data why this is important and relevant uh, especially for therapists in america Um, Actually, Asians are the fastest growing population in the United States. Between 2000 and 2019, Asian population grew 81%, which is even more than Hispanic population, who are 70% growth. Um, And yeah, Asian population is expected to grow past 35 million by 2060. But because Asian Americans are actually... Uh, least likely group to understand and be poor their senses, so the number could be actually even more higher. Uh, and now to answer the what therapists may be getting wrong or uh, working with Asian clients or Asian colleagues, um, I mean there are obvious you know biases and. As- stereotypes that therapists of non-Asian descent may have about Asian people, right? model minority myth, I'm sure you've heard about it before, is a huge issue. (laughs) A lot of these biases and stereotypes, whether they are good or not. model minority myth will often say Asians are smart, they are hard workers, they do not cause trouble, they do well, you know, economic sense, and it creates a lot of this homogeneous and monolithic uh, idea of Asian Americans are, when there's tremendous diversity within Asian American community. Asia actually has over 20 countries, East Asia, Southeast Asia, South Asia, Indian subcontinent, each with unique history, you know their languages and characteristics. And then we just get often forgotten in the media in the US. Also, uh, maybe what I want to point out is maybe not misunderstanding or getting it wrong. But maybe the lack of uh, understanding of who Asian Americans are, especially in a community of therapists, because there's not much education or knowledge around multicultural issues. And, you know, especially within Asian communities. So we got to be seeing more and more people with multicultural issues, you know, within our clients, just in society. You know, we will have multicultural, cross-cultural couples, families, identity issues. And there isn't really a lot of education around that. And I can give an example perhaps in the context of Asian vertical cross-cultural issue that can happen that therapists may miss. If you're a non-Asian therapist or no white therapist, you know, let's say you have an Asian couple coming in, and let's say they're both East Asians. Yeah. So assumptions may be like, you know, they share a similar background. You know, and there wouldn't be necessarily assessment around, you know, what languages do they speak, what languages do they grow up with, or different cultural backgrounds, you know, what's their immigration story of their families that maybe they're all bringing into therapy room in their relationship, right? So I have a good friend named Sujin. She's also my co director uh, at Yellow Chair Collective. Uh, she has a partner, Jimmy, and Jimmy and Sujin are both East Asians. You know, if they, you know, go to couple therapy, because they're both East Asians, it's so easy to assume that they share a similar culture, right? However, Susan is Korean, 1.5 generation Korean, and Jimmy is second generation Chinese, who actually also grew up with four different Chinese dialect languages. And that created a lot of like, communication and language issues as he grew up that might have affected him, you know, attachment or communication style that maybe some keys to their relationship and their relationship issues, perhaps. And that without education around it, we will miss it. You know, uh, without knowledge, we don't know what to look for, how to assess and how they affect.
0: So what I'm hearing is that there is such a huge diversity within this monolithic term, Asian American, especially. And I read recently that, that even the term Asian American was about trying to bring together political power and maybe that it isn't quite a term that that's helpful anymore because it does create such a monolithic perspective and I'll, I'll i'll link to the the article in the show notes but it's something where i'm hearing that there's a lot more questions maybe that should be asked when you're working with clients that fall under this huge umbrella so that you can actually get to some of these things what are some of the questions that you would recommend when you're when you're sitting with potentially any client of any culture, but but specifically that are being left out in these conversations with Asian-American clients?
2: I do want to note that historically, Asian-American term was coined to bring Asian-Americans together because before the term used, a lot of people actually refer to their ethnic heritage. You know, I'm Japanese-American, Filipino-American, or if there were, it was called Orientals, which has racist mm-hmm. um, connotation to it. During the time that word was coined, uh, there were a lot of different movements, like anti-war movement, black power movement, and Asians' voices were getting lost. And then that was intention to bring people together. In my opinion, there is not the best way. Uh, There are similar experiences Asian Americans will share. I think the term is helpful. I think what I want to point out is not forgetting that there is a lot of diversity and how they may play. So kind of like, you know, this band diagram that uh, yes. share like being Asian and American uh, or you know Japanese or Korean even though they are very close together in East Asia they do have a difference uh, they speak different languages they yeah. have a different culture and South Asian uh, and Southeast Asians who are often kind of forgotten a lot of people think of East Asians when we say Asian Americans know that they are also included in this term so I think it's just really about education being mindful to be culturally sensitive by gaining those knowledge, right? And also really listening to people, you know, individualizing as well.
1: Can you give us a little bit of a deeper dive into the model minority myth? I think many of us have heard it in one capacity or or another, and I think it probably just gets shortened down into kind of like that, oh yeah, model minority, but there's apparently a lot more to this.
2: Yeah. So a lot of, History context is in this term model minority myth. A lot of people don't know about it, why it was created, why it was pushed, why it's there. We have to kind of go back to World War II, actually, when Japanese internment camps happened. And they came out and they were given, you know, just a little government compensation or aid to rebuild their life. And, you know, a lot of Japanese Americans worked hard and really rebuild their lives. Around 1960s, when there was rising of civil rights, right? Black Americans, civil rights movement, white society media really started to create this propaganda of, oh, look, look at the Japanese Americans, they're thriving out of ashes. You know, look at them. They were everything was taken away, and they got the aid, little aid that black Americans also got, and they made a very successful businesses and successful people. And they really cherry picked these people, right, these success stories, right, to create this opposing view to discourage and damage the effort of civil rights movement in 1960s. So much of America, including other people of color, actually really took this narrative even Asian Americans themselves, out of survival, right? So they want to survive, and to survive is just really embracing this model minority that seemed to have some advantage and privilege and position themselves more like, you know, quote-unquote white, right? However, this really created this opposing narrative between a lot of people of color uh, and made Asians really invisible, that Asians are not sometimes more like, oh, they're not people of color, or they're just honorary whites, right? And they really made it difficult and harder. And that said, model minority myth was created not to maintain the systematic racism for all races. Uh, And the narrative was created as if the racism was just binary, you know, black and white, and then systemic racism didn't exist. And there are different narratives that comes with model minority myth to put the blacks at the bottom white Americans at the top and Asian Americans like somewhere in the up chart, but not white, uh, not black. Yeah. So uh, that really adds to how Asian American experience has been dismissed. And that was not taken seriously for such a long time. And that led a lot of self gaslighting, dismissing of their personal race and experiences. Because like uh, Asian Americans, especially East and South Asians, who really embraced this model minority myth, Lived up to pressure to dismiss.
1: Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their coinsurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryser.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. What are the questions that you would ask? a new client coming in to make sure that you understand the different elements of their story and the uniqueness of their experience?
2: I mean, there is definitely standard intake a lot of people use as a therapist. And I would like to always ask, you know, um, their cultural background, right, ethnicity, and kind of go beyond that. You know, immigration stories, their immigration stories, you know, do they identify themselves in the culture, cultural biracial cultures that I have seen in my clients sometimes they might look you know past more like one ethnicity more but they actually re- familiar relate to more to another culture they grew up in so kind of like that aspect you know just not have assumption <laughs> not yeah. have biases asking and how um, was it growing up multiculturally you know how was language spoke in the family because it cr- it makes difference in the relationship dynamic you know uh, with the different speaking languages at home. Like I had a client whose <laughs> parent uh, was Japanese and Korean and they spoke minimum English and then, you know, they never really got to really learn each other's language. So that was kind of hard, you know? Um, and then how that did they impact that? So we wouldn't know unless we really go deep into their, you know, cultural history, immigrant history, like how did they how did their family resettle? Because that also has that... Um, identity, generational identity that they bring? Were they immigrants? Were they refugees? You know, what are the reasons they moved? Right? So all those questions that could be considered.
1: What kind of barriers do Asian Americans face in seeking out mental health services?
2: So Asian Americans are actually three times less likely to seek out mental health services in the US. So you can see how little the service is utilized Mm -hmm. by Asian-Americans. First, there is lack of understanding of what mental health is, because it can be a very foreign concept. In many traditional Eastern medicine, wellness comes from body and mind. So it's a balance of body and mind concept. It's connection between body and mind. And traditional Western concept of mental health is separating, right? That mental health and physical health. So it really wasn't in Asian people's vocabulary, Asian medicine vocabulary, when this concept of mental health and Western psychology was introduced. So that's one of them. And there's also culture of collectivism, which values family, community over individual needs. Uh, Many Asian Americans actually grew up in a household that don't really talk about mental health um, or emotions in general. And it can, when you seek out mental health services, it can seem as kind of personal failure that not just on you, but also as a family failure. It brings shame to the family because whatever you do, whatever you represent is not just reflection of you, but also your family and community. So a lot of
0: uh,
2: Asians will comment not seeking out mental health services earlier was afraid of how their family will perceive it, and if that will bring shame to the family and their community. This is really true, especially for the first generation immigrants and then older generations. But I do want to note that second, uh, American-born uh, younger generations are more open, perhaps more westernized, reson- <laughs> you, you say, and have more understanding of mental health, and they're utilizing mental health more and encouraging older generations to seek out help when it's needed. Some other external barriers that I might point out is for those who need therapy services in their native language, or they need therapists that understand the culture because the issue is very cultural, there just isn't enough uh, culturally or linguistically competent service providers and programs out there. And I mentioned earlier that Asians are least likely group to understand or report to US Census because it has historical context to it, like Japanese encampment, that census was used against them. So census means that you get representation, right? And you get funding. (laughs) So when we don't know who's there, the funding and resources do not go there. So there is this this lack of research done on Asian mental health and funding for the programs that Asian Americans need. So those are some barriers I would say that are uh, uh, more prominent.
0: When we're looking at Asian Americans seeking mental health services, I just think about, you know, and Kurt nodded to this earlier in the episode, just how much there could be a huge need right now, given all of the anti-Asian hate crimes, the microaggressions and just terrorism. I mean, like, it just seems like there has been big attacks on Asian Americans and and maybe some of it has been more of a spotlight because of of the time and the the, the kind of worship, i think as a society we're trying to pay attention to this more so we've got the model minority myth that basically made this experience invisible but there's also kind of the objectification of asian women and the fetishization that occurred can you talk with us a little bit about what that is
2: yeah definitely there has been fetishization of asian women like historically that a lot of times Asian women were seen as, you know, going again a perpetual foreigner, right? Like foreign, exotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some rumors, you know, uh, about Asian women's body. And I think it really has to do with military like wars, right? Where military personnel you know, will go for a long time, you know, Korea, China, Philippines, and then they, you know, they needed this, you know, quote unquote they will call comfort woman or, they call it prostitute, but I wonder if they had a choice to do so. They all really added up to this idea of Asian woman because model minority myth also said, you know, Asian women are quiet, obedient, just good, good woman. Um, if you want a non-troubling uh, woman uh, and give your sexual pleasure, it's Asian woman. So that that narrative, you know, with the military seeing women, Asian women as exotic has been there. And I'm not sure why it was invisible because there's a, a lot of movies that also fetishize Asian women, right? Yes. And per- per- perpetuating that ideas. And I, I personally got stories too. And a lot of Asian women will have those stories that just, you know, creepy old men will come and talk about how they always want to be with an Asian woman like out of nowhere. and yeah. I know I'm not the only one. A lot of Asian women actually do share similar experiences on that. And it's led to the spot shooting, right? Atlanta shooting in March. Uh, He really associated, the shooter associated Asian women as sexual beings. And I think he made a statement, something about that he wanted to eliminate, kill um, all the sexual uh because he has sex addiction. So he had a sex addiction and then he blamed that on Asian women. So there were some narratives that came out that he stated around sexual distractions. He was trying to fight off and he blamed Asian women, associated Asian spas, you know, with a lot of sexual services. And that was one of his intention of going to Asian spas and, you know, uh, creating this mass shooting, killing of eight people.
0: I feel like I I know enough to kind of know what i don't know a little bit and so i just wanted to to get from from your perspective what you're seeing what you're hearing what asian americans are facing today because i think therapists need to know and they need to be prepared to to support their clients in in the sessions that they're having with them
2: yeah there definitely is a lot more awareness especially with anti asian hate crimes getting more attention but i do also want to note that racism and violence against asians always been in the U.S. Yeah. history for centuries. And yes. some notable things that people don't know about is there were anti-Chinese movement that uh, causes massacres and lynching of many Chinese um, people in 1800s, uh, all the way to Chinese Exclusion Act and more. You know, with the mo- rise of model minority myth narrative, I think that narrative really tried to make uh, Asian struggles really invisible uh, because like, oh, they're doing so well, right? And Although there always been this discrimination and racism, it wasn't really shown. Uh, and that, that really caused a lot of Asians to invalidate their own experience, dismissible their own experiences, because nobody did. The media and white society didn't really believe in racism against Asians. And actually, as the pandemic you know, started, I guess, officially started, quote, unquote, in America, there were a lot of hate crimes being reported, uh, especially shared through social media. However, media didn't really get that on, like there wasn't really attention to it. And it was when the shooting in Atlanta that killed eight people, six Asian women, that's when media actually really started to recognize But for many Asians, The rise of hate crimes were very distressful even before. It was almost like we had to wait for mass shooting to happen to get some attention. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) this we said attention and of anti-Asian racism and the hate crime rising made a lot of Asian Americans reflect on their everyday quiet, you know, racism, uh, microaggressions, you know, we can say. And as we know, microaggression is like a paper cut, right? It's mm-hmm. like a small paper cut, but you get so much, it, the wound become bigger and it actually really hurts and they can get infected, right? And for many, many years, microaggression against Asians were considered acceptable or even funny. Like I internalized it myself too and made it myself, my identity as Asians, you know, um, some kind of joke and then people laugh about it i'm like oh, okay but inside of myself it doesn't feel right you know right so um i mean i can share some common microaggressions that asian people do get very most common one is like where are you from right because yes. we are perpetual foreigners you know no matter how many generations you have been here you're a third fourth fifth generation you still have the asian look you're not from here Right. And then, you know, not taking answer like, oh, I was born in the U.S. as an answer. It's like, no, where are you really from? Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, without the person, you know, letting the other person know, like they struggle with English, you just say, oh, you speak good English. It's not like usually a compliment unless the person you know, said something about their insecurity about English or Asian look the same or I'm not attracted to Asian boys. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, as if that's a preference, right? For the whole, you know, re- you know, putting whole race, like disregarding whole race just because of race. Uh, or assuming all Asians are good at math. Um, although it seems like a good myth, it really um, overlook a lot of students who really hate math or are not good at math and yeah. not be able to get the proper help. And big one that I shared earlier is, you know, Asians are homogeneous monolith. I definitely got some comments like, oh, where are you from? Uh, Right. And I actually was born in Korea. So when they are like, oh, where are you born? And then I'm like, oh, I actually was born in Korea. And they start talking about how their niece was uh, adopted from China. Like, Mm. that's a poor cultural connection that has no relevance to what I'm talking about. So as if that connection was appropriate, you know. Yeah, so my hope is that there will be continual dialogue and education around how harmful model minority myth has been for everybody, and the uh, stereotypes and biases that came with it, as we really try to validate the Asian experiences that have been unseen and invisible for a long time. So and that's I think main there's a lot of different things Asian Americans really struggle today, but I think that's a, one of the main things that these stereotypes and biases are harmful and hurt people.
1: Not only does therapy notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, therapy notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code modern for 2 months free.
1: For a lot of clinicians who may not have much experience of working with Asian American clients and their first Asian American client overcomes some of these barriers that you've talked about they finally you know feel hey I'm going to seek out some services. For those clinicians in those first sessions there's probably a lot of opportunities to just stumble all over yourself trying to fit in all of these questions <laughs> in the first place. And trying to say, you know, hey, I've listened to to Linda's episode with Kurt and Katie. And there's both kind of this taking what's going on with them right now in all of this current zeitgeist of what's going on, all of the Asian hate that's you know being finally kind of seen in a consistent way across media social media what's the best advice that you can give those clinicians kind of in that first experience as they are trying to create a good therapeutic environment for those clients that invites them back to therapy and isn't just kind of reinforcing some of this mental health divide that exists here
2: i believe it will be really balance of you know doing uh, work to be aware of knowledge of, and education of you know Asian American culture, and also not having any assumptions of the client who comes in, who's who's in front of you, right? Like the basic therapeutic, uh, th- therapy process, like hear their story. You know, there are so many different intersectionality of individual and family story that we might not, we might miss if we have preconception of who they are. So, but then we also don't want to not have any cultural background, right? So I think it's just really about balance of it. But if you don't know a lot about Asian culture, and you know, hopefully you're committed to it, but you have this client that you you just don't have a lot of knowledge at this point, how is it just hear the story and be mindful not to ask the client to be a teacher though because it really puts a lot of burden on the client to teach their culture so really it's really hard line up like finding that balance listening understanding but also not putting that burden Unfortunately, I don't think there's a simple answer to it, but if you are present, and you are listening uh, and doing your own research and understanding, seek out consultation if you need to, I think that will be a good place to start.
1: Broadening that out for even some of the more savvy clinicians or clinicians who might be more familiar with uh, some of the nuances that are here, what's kind of the best way to support Asian clients and larger Asian American community for mental health professionals right now?
2: best way to support Asian clients and larger Asian American community right now is being proactive on being anti-racist. Like, I want to make a point that being anti-racist is not the same as not being racist, okay? Yes. Yeah, it's a proactive term. It's a proactive way of approaching values that work towards fighting racism, you know, not being racist, just not being racist means that, you know, I'm avoiding racist situation, I'm not making racist statements, you know, it's very neutral, not an active, it doesn't really add to you know any work of eliminating racism. You know, we are just honing into Asian American issues because there has been on the news, on the media. And then last year, uh, we saw with George Floyd's death, there were a lot of tension towards racism against Black Americans. And this year, not so much coverage anymore. And Asians, racism against Asians, will lose its interest. And then I can, still see, I can see the media is covering less and less, even though it is still happening. But the racism, because media is not covering, it doesn't go anywhere. It still exists. People still experience it. Trauma happens. And fighting and speaking out against racism is not a trend, right? So regarding the topic I'm speaking of today, the question I want to ask people is, ask yourself, how am I going to support and be inclusive of my Asian clients and colleagues now and best of my career? And it really comes down to one thing, uh, being mindful of studying the culture and getting to know the person individually. And really just being open to listen and learn. Uh, I think really being teachable, uh, learnable is the biggest thing. And ask uh, if you need to, like, is there something you need individually? Or do some research Google, like, different ways that Asian clients, uh, Asian colleagues uh, may want to be supported. I mean, there is definitely fundraise for anti Asian hate crime prevention right like I think donations are a good way and just letting people know hey like I'm thinking of you one thing that I do want to point out is like if you haven't spoken to this one particular Asian colleague you know that you have for years you know don't just you know out of blue this contact it just feels a little impersonal right (laughs) There were some Asian clients, actually, uh, and other people that I shared to me that they felt a little bit like out of blue, a little insensitive. It's like now this is a time that you make connection, like you didn't try, you know, for years. Yeah. So we do want to be mindful of that. But if you have a relationship with this, you know, particular colleague or community, yeah, let them know your support, get involved, really educate yourself on Asian cultures and how it is impacting the Asian culture as all um, and Asian American culture.
0: I really like that advice. It, it's something where we had some similar advice with Dr. Joy Cox came on and talked about intersectionality as well as kind of how to support diversity and inclusion. and And that was one of the things she was saying is like build real relationships. You know that's really important. and And I think that's that's what you're saying as well. It's like reach out to the people you actually have relationships with, whether it's therapy clients or colleagues or friends in that caring, connected way, not as a checkbox or not as like, hey, can I pick your brain on what's going on in the world right now? Cause I think either of those things are very impersonal and harmful.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: So to summarize kind of what I'm hearing, because I think this is this has very been very, very helpful. Thank you, Linda. I think being able to to hold the the space for each person's experience is unique. There's going to be a lot of complexity there. You don't say where are you from. I would you know even though that's one of the things that that may be important for a therapist to know. But maybe what's your cultural heritage? Is there you know is there an immigration story that's relevant to you and your family? Kind of being able to get to a place where you can learn more about this individual in front of you. And, and understand the uniqueness of their experience and then do research and not have them teach you about all of their culture because <laughs> I think that's important. I, I just, I, I'm reflecting on some of the conversations I've had with Asian colleagues, clients, friends, and there is so much that I didn't know about the Asian experience in the United States that I've started learning more about, especially the model minority myth fetishization and and kind of the exotic nature of for Asian women. I think there's just so much that is happening just all over the place that we've been so unaware of. It's been hidden, it's been, it's been invisible. And so I'm I'm so glad we've had this conversation. And I I just really encourage people to to reach out like you had suggested within their relationships to to learn more about that person's experience and to support them in whatever way we can. Yeah, definitely. Where can people find more about you? Because this has been very helpful. I'm sure there's going to be folks that want to learn more about what you're doing and and potentially seeking out some consultation.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can definitely find more about us at yellowchaircollective.com. As a psychotherapy group, we do provide individual couples, family therapy for all ages. We also run Asian American teen and adult support groups where uh, Asian American teens and adults can come together and learn about how their racial intergenerational trauma and Asian American experiences has been. And we are also actively providing trainings and consultation right now to government sectors, corporations, nonprofits, communities on creating dialogue and and learning about Asian American culture. Uh, All of our Asian Americans need to be acknowledged and acknowledged in our communities and workplaces. We have trained therapists that can lead this conversation in a safe manner. And we also provide individual consultations for any clinicians uh, who are working with Asian clients and community within any capacity.
0: Thank you.
1: And we will include links to yellow chair collective and where you can get more information as well as our past episodes about working with the greater Asian American Pacific Islander communities. And you can find those in our show notes at mtsgpodcast.com. Be sure to follow us on our social media as well, where we'll continue to share some resources in being able to support the AAPI community. And check out the Therapy Reimagined Conference website where you can get all the latest updates on our little conference that we're putting on at the end of September here in the Los Angeles area and hybrid streaming to wherever you may be. So check that out at therapyreimaginedconference.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whitelm with Katie Vernoy and Linda Young. Remember to check out Thrizer; They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner therapy notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget using promo code modern gets you two free months.
1: Thank you for listening to the modern therapist survival guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.